Welcome to Site 3, the floodgates of the Mill River. This site looked very different in the past. Without floodgates, the river was allowed to run wild, flooding often and creating tidal flats. Joe Taylor shared some of his pictures with us. Railroad bridge across the Mill River. Mill River north of Humphrey Street. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It just, do you know why the river bows like that? Tidal flats. That it was it was where fresh water merged with seawater. And that's why that's this whole area was a marsh for that. We talked to Dan Barfier, who is the East Rock Park Ranger. He told us why they created the floodgates, what they do, and how they work. All my life I've lived out in the woods and I enjoy plants and animals. I thought that I had a lot of older people who taught me about the woods. And as I got older, I realized less and less people really understand the, the way nature works. And I thought it would be important to share that with people actually in the city. I could have gone to the country, I could have gone and worked in national parks and other places like that, but I believe that we have the most people in a city and it's important to connect them with their na natural roots that they came from. We all came from the woods uh, a long, long time ago and I want to constantly remind people how important it is to our well-being that we take care of the planet and the woods. And you guys are actually all of our hopes our futures and we convince you guys this is important that I then I've done my job if if people forget about the woods then eventually the planet's gonna forget about people city engineers back in the old days back in 1920s in 1920s they started realizing people were building houses along the Mill River we eventually put Wilbercross High School over there we didn't want those places to get flooded out so we put the, the, the floodgates up and that has tempered the river and made it a little bit calmer for people to deal with. Why are the floodgates important? Well, they keep the salt water from intruding up the river. In the springtime, in the fall, sometimes you have very high tides. If we have a, a lot of rain uh, that washes fresh water down the Mill River, then what happens is when the salt water and the tide comes in, Eli Whitney Museum will be underwater. <laughs> and we don't want that to happen. So what we're trying to do is keep the, the water from intruding up the river. Now, because the floodgates are there, it's helped create a unique habitat that we call a freshwater tidal environment. Okay, that's the, the key word is through the floodgates, not over the floodgates. We have no fish ladder over there like they have on the West River for alewives. The fish can actually, you saw the floodgates down there, they're slightly open now because the water's coming down the river. The fish can negotiate those currents and get around those floodgates and sneak up the river to, to access the upper parts of the river, mostly for food, not for breeding. There's not much breeding going on in the Mill River. There is no fish that actually lay eggs and spawn here. Uh, there are bluegills that make little nests up there and they do lay eggs and I guess they, but they don't leave the area. Uh, crabs come in here in the springtime, mate, and they'll carry eggs, but they'll wait till they go back to the ocean to release them. And if you go swimming at Lighthouse Point Park in, let's say, 
August or September, you might come out of the water and you'll see little things crawling on you. If you looked at them under a microscope, those would be little tiny baby crabs. <laughs> so they do let their eggs go here. So that's uh, they, they, and this is important to them because this is the place where they do kind of spawn. Well, the only things I've truly seen stuck in the floodgates was big trees that have been washed down the river. The, for the most part, eventually they either we, at an extremely low tide, we get in there with a chainsaw and we are in a small boat and we cut those trees so that they can go down the river and then the floodgates will close. During the summertime, I almost don't mind a log being in the, one of the floodgates because what it does is leave that floodgate partially open so that the crabs and other things can get in there. There's very little flooding during the summertime. The trouble with that area right there is because it's, it's on state property and the state hasn't picked up its trash over there. And people repeatedly dump. They are, some people are lazy. Instead of taking it to the proper places, they take it to the easiest place to dump, and that impacts us all. If you were an animal and you went over there, you could step on a nail or get cut by a piece of glass. Even humans are in danger by some of that stuff. But you notice one of the things, if there was oil or toxic waste over there, we get that out of there real quick because we wouldn't want that flowing into the river. So maybe that we as citizens can ask the state to get over there and clean that up sometime. Sure it does, sure it does. Um, there's the, the runoff of sand and salt in the wintertime that they lay down to keep the, the roads clear. And that getting into the water can be considered somewhat of a pollutant. Oil runoff, when somebody has a leaky car with antifreeze and oil, that can run into the Mill River through the storm drains. Also, people throwing trash out of the car can also end up down in the park and then eventually into the river. So the highway does have an impact. I believe it's a gas pipe. A gas pipe or a water drain. But I believe it's gas. Then we remember everything underneath here is all connected. Here's the good thing about New Haven right now that helps the Mill River is that some of your storm drains funnel right into the river. Your sewage that comes out of your house has been encapsulated in a closed system, so no longer can any sewage get into these rivers. And that's a very, very good thing. So all of the rivers around here are getting cleaner. Long Island Sound is getting cleaner, which means there's gonna be more life for all of us, because the cleaner the water is, the more animals, the more fish, the more creatures are in the water. I have seen harbor seal in New Haven Harbor now because the water is getting cleaner. I have seen green sea turtles in, 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 Long, in Long Island Sound over the last few years. So I, I see by the fish that things are getting nicer. Here. The state puts out a brochure lots of times called, can, is it, can I eat it? To find out if the creatures have anything in there that we shouldn't be eating. Do you guys know any of the things that possibly could be in the fish? Mercury. That, that's the big one around here, Berkerman. The good thing about PCBs, just so you know, is that they usually get encapsulated in mud. So once mud goes over the top of them, they get trapped. If you don't disturb the mud, then the, the, they're trapped in there and nothing's gonna happen about spreading it to the fish. If you dredge sometimes and pull that mud out, then that PCBs will be liberated back into the system. And that's why everybody's very cautious about dredging. But the fish that I caught here were to be able to take to the state DEP so that they could chemically analyze it to find out if there were any toxins in it. And the fish that had toxin, toxins in them were usually the catfish, 
and the eels, which dwell on the bottom, almost down in the mud level. The other fish that were in here, the white perch, uh, the striped bass, the little blue fish, none of them had very much at all in them, and they were pretty clean, so they were fairly safe to eat. Oriental bittersweet. Introduced into the U.S. in the 1860s as an ornamental plant, Oriental bittersweet was brought over as a decoration and escaped into surrounding natural areas. Oriental bittersweet reproduces prolifically by seed, which is readily dispersed to new areas by many species of birds including mockingbirds, blue jays, and European starlings. While often found in more open sunny sites, its tolerance for shade allows oriental bittersweet to invade forested areas. American cranberry mushroom. This plant serves as a winter food for birds such as cardinals, robins, waxwings, grouse, pheasant, and wild turkey. Tea was made of the bark by the Native Americans to help with cramps. A downed bush pilot in Canada survived on this plant for many days. Rose hips have been an important food for all native tribes where any kind of roses can be found. They are extremely high in vitamin C. Dried, they keep well and were a valuable resource for the natives in winter. Ragweed. Ragweed grows wild everywhere along the Mill River. The seed spores of ragweed are very small and light. They travel easily on the wind. When they travel, people can breathe them in and have an allergic reaction. When they make commercials for allergies, they often show fields of goldenrod. It is really the ugly brownish ragweed that causes the problem. It gives people watery eyes and gives goldenrod a bad reputation. Ragweed is a mischievous plant. Plantain. Plantain is very common all over America. It is a wound healer and an antidote to poisons. It is also useful in treating fevers, infections, and skin problems. People use it for treating allergies. Plantain was originally used to cure tuberculosis. This section of the Mill River is a unique one. It is a freshwater tidal Things live here that are found only in a place where the water constantly fluctuates from fresh water to salt water. Here we are testing the salinity of the water. We found crabs and fish eggs. We also noticed fast little minnows that sped away right when they saw us. 